Hello and welcome back to the Inner Network Podcast. I'm your host, Kyla Kablin, and today I'm really excited to be recording this intro because it's International Women's Day. So I wanted to take a quick second to thank everybody that's followed, supported, and listened to the podcast ever since I started back in November of 2020. I also want to thank all of the guests that have come onto the podcast to share their story and share all of their experiences within the industry. I'm really excited to have today's guest on. Her name is Ishra Gill. She is currently the marketing director of Flux Home, a woman-owned and woman-run direct-to-consumer brand based in Vancouver. Ishra's had over 10 plus years of experience in a non-traditional journey working in media, retail, agency side, and CPG. We talk more about her experience navigating the agency and brand side of the business, behind the scenes of brand building, and how brands can stand out amidst the constant change in social media. As always, you can find all of the links in the show notes, but in the meantime, I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Ishra. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to just dive in into all things branding and marketing. And it's great that, you know, I've actually met you in person. We met a few weeks ago at the Fox Home showroom. So it's nice to just catch up again. We did. Uh, it's so nice to have in-person meetings and greetings, you know, um, haven't had the opportunity to always do that over the past couple of years. So it was so great to meet you and have you as a guest in our showroom. Yeah. Yeah. It was so great. And I'm definitely loving the sheets. So thank you for that. Um, You're so welcome. But before we get started, I always love to ask what you're most looking forward to this week. Oh my gosh, this week. Well, it's snowing (laughs) heavily for Vancouver anyway. Um, So you know what? I think I am just looking forward to after, you know, the first week back and into the new year to just having some downtime this weekend. I mean, I've mostly been having downtime (laughs) over the past couple of weeks, but, um, you know, maybe getting outdoors a little bit more this weekend. Yeah. I feel like the roads and even the sidewalks yesterday, I did not expect them to be so icy. (laughs) I was like walking like on my tippy toes, like trying not to slip, but, um, definitely like getting out there, like snowshoeing, going up to the mountains in the trails. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping to be able to do that this weekend. (laughs) Awesome. Well, you know, before we get into, you know, more about finding your niche in marketing and branding. Currently, you're the marketing director at Flax Home, but can you provide Mm -hmm. just an intro of yourself and your personal background and, you know, how you got to this position now? Yeah, absolutely. I'll start kind of recent and then go into the background. So funnily enough, actually with Flax Home, I was originally hired on as a, on a, for a contract project on a very specific growth initiative that they had. And within two or three weeks, we just quickly identified a really strong match. The founders are three incredible women and the business is really great and quickly turned it into a full-blown marketing director role so that I could support the total brand in business. So 
I certainly didn't see that going into it, but it just goes to show what can happen. And so that's just kind of how I ended up landing in this particular position. And it's been really, really great thus far, though short so far, but amazing. And I think that kind of alludes to just the overarching story of like how I got here. A lot of it has been through relationships, um, meeting the right people, finding the right matches, chasing after the things that I want. So for me, um, I would say that Sometimes I want to say I've like stumbled into opportunities. Sometimes it's been opportunities that have come my way where people have kept me in mind. And I certainly don't have a linear career journey. So for me, I'd say that my goals and pathways have evolved a little bit along the way based on the experiences that I was having or the exposure that I've had to certain environments. So as an example, um, when I was 19 years old, I started working at a top 40 radio station at the time, the Beat 94.5. Oh so yes. anyone who's lived in Vancouver for a long time probably remembers that. And I wanted to be in, in media and media journalism at that time. So more kind of along the entertainment fashion side of things, which I wasn't planning on moving. So there was not really a big industry for that in Vancouver. And by working in that industry, I realized that it actually wasn't really the industry that I wanted to be in, but I had had so much marketing foundation built within that time. So that's just another example of basically I've been able to figure out what I like, what I didn't like, what gave me energy, what didn't give me energy, which I think is really important to find out. And then also the things that I was really good at and maybe the things that I wasn't so good at and what's kind of emerged as the themes over the past, gosh, like 10 to 13 years now has always kind of been, you know, creativity, strategy, and brand experience. And so that's kind of like where my sweet spots are. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I've had the ability to work agency side, brand side, corporate startup. And I think it's important to gain exposure to different things. I definitely have a lot of colleagues who probably have more linear pathways, you know, lots of friends in CPG who have like stayed in CPG, lots of friends Mm -hmm. in agency who have stayed in agency. I'm probably a little bit of an outlier in that regard, but I truly believe to become a great marketer, like you're kind of looking to be a strong operator as Mm -hmm. well. And I want to be able to be somebody who can really flex into almost any business and be a strong marketer and leader. No, absolutely. And I think that's great too, that you mentioned, you know, when you were 19, you did kind of know that you wanted to be not necessarily in that industry forever, but you knew kind of where you wanted to go, which is, I think, very rare for a lot of people. I find that you know, people go through college or university and then find out in like the third and fourth year what they want to specialize in. So that's amazing that you were able to kind of have that foundation um, before, you know, actually taking the leap into quote unquote, like the real world. But I want to talk about like what you mentioned about like agency client um, and like platforms and stuff like that. Because I think a lot of the questions that I get and that I actually had to when I was getting into the industry was about how different each side was. And Mm -hmm. I think being somebody that has experienced, you know, those sides of the business, it's something that not a lot of people know about. Um, So I'd love to talk about it. So Mm -hmm. when it comes to your experience in agency, you know, I was also an agency um, a few years ago, but I'd love to know 
your experience and how you differentiate that from client um, and how you differentiate that from other experiences that you've had? Yeah, absolutely. I've worked at both a smaller agency, so like a more local shop that still had national Canadian clients. And then I've worked as a part of, you know, one of the bigger shop that has offices around the world, et cetera, et cetera. I think that agency offers a really great learning experience. You get to work sometimes with some really heavyweight creative directors, um, super strong strategists and planners. You get to learn a lot about process um, Mm -hmm. and exposure. And, you know, there's a lot of agencies that obviously specialize in certain things, but more often than not, they will typically take on other projects and things like that as well. So I've been lucky where while agency side, I've always got to work on a varied number of projects, whether it was like an immersive brand experience, digital campaigns, brand identity, TV commercials, kind of everything across Mm -hmm. the whole gamut. And then you build some really incredible relationships as well. And when you go brand side, often you're kind of going back to some of those people and vetting some of those agencies as potential partners, or they're reaching out to you potentially. It's a smaller world than most people think. And paths continue to cross and things like that. Often also when you're working agency side, you're partnering with other agencies or production companies. There's just so much learning to be taken out of it, especially I think when you're on the account side, which I always was. The part that I probably didn't like about it was the client servicing part of it (laughs) because it is what it is, right? It's client servicing. On all the time. Yeah. And there is that notion of the same thing if you're working in a retail environment, like the customer is always right. Yeah. And then of course, like, you know, managing expectations and things like that. And for me, I love the other side of all of it, you know, bringing brands to life, bringing campaigns to life. And the client servicing part wasn't something that was as thrilling to me. Um, But also I thought it was really important to be brand side so you could gain exposure to a lot of different industries. And that's exactly what in my journey I did. I did the agency thing for a while and then identified what do I really want? And I knew that I would always go brand side. I think for me also, when you're agency side, there's that little bit of disconnect where you're not fully at the heart of the brand um, the way that Mm -hmm. you are when you're working brand side. And so for me, I'm just such a brand person that I wanted to make sure that I I was able to be in the heart of the brand and being the decision maker or a part of the decision making and like really propelling that brand forward. So, you know, after doing some time agency side and building some of those chops and different experiences, like you become like a powerhouse project manager as an example, right? And that's like a skill that you then take with you throughout your entire career. But yeah, I knew I, I knew I wanted to be brand side and that's where I've been since since doing agency a few years ago. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why a lot of job postings say agency experience is not required, but a must have, because you mentioned it, like you learn so much, you kind of get thrown into the deep end and you really just have to figure out one, what works for you. And I think you almost like find your work ethic 
in kind of like the midst of all the chaos. And I think it's such a good learning experience. So, you know, it's really Absolutely. great to hear that you had that experience and, you know, you kind of took all of the skills that you had into your role now. I would almost go as far as to say, you know, there's people who are starting out in their careers and it's so different now than it was, yeah. you know, 10 years ago, as an example, because really of technology and all the tools that are available now. But I would almost still say, regardless, go do like a year in agency because you'll truly learn so much and take away so much and also build a ton of relationships. Mm -hmm. It's a great place to, I think, be not be okay with making mistakes, but it's almost kind of expected because you go in as like a junior account coordinator Mm -hmm. and you learn from there. And if you make mistakes, that's okay. And I feel like it's kind of expected. So I completely agree. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think has been the most rewarding thing, you know, that as you've built your career in the marketing industry, what would you identify has been some of the most rewarding parts to doing that? I'm probably going to sound like a dork at this one, but (laughs) I actually really have loved seeing people who I've brought into opportunities or given jobs or coached along the way, and then seeing where their career pathways have led them. Um, As an example, Sophie Coleman, who Mm -hmm. is a past guest on this podcast, is someone that I worked with along the way earlier in her career. I've also made some really, really great friends um, out of some of my opportunities. And so much of business is people. Yeah. And you can, again, like it goes back to like relationships. Some of the friends that I've made through my very first, you know, formal career opportunity are people who are some of my closest friends today. So I think, yeah, the most rewarding piece is just really the people that you meet along the way, seeing where they go and the things that they do, or even just, you know, a lot of them have become entrepreneurs themselves. So that to me is really cool. Yeah. And I think, when it comes to relationships, I think a lot of people think, you know, when it comes to networking or when it comes to building relationships, that sometimes it has to be that you communicate all the time. But I think now times have definitely changed. You know, of course you have people on LinkedIn and you're connected to them, but we're in the age of like adding people on Instagram. Like we have each other on Instagram. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't have to be in constant communication for me to be supporting you on the sidelines or for me to be supporting like any projects that you do. I think what I've found over the past few years is, you know, a simple DM or a simple comment on people's projects and sharing things just goes so far than, you know, having like a one-on-one coffee chat every week. I a hundred percent agree. I mean, nobody even in a time where there's not a lot of places to go and things like that yeah. still we just don't have enough time right yeah it's just the downfall of like the modern day lifestyle and sending a quick text or yeah. like you said a dm or congratulating someone whatever it looks like certainly goes a long way like you said and yeah i don't know like networking can certainly be cringy yeah (laughs) um for sure I I don't even know if I absolutely love the concept of like Mm -hmm. what networking was but really I think the now notion is community right of course we are a part of this community and so how are we supporting one another in the community that we're a part of as well Mm -hmm. yeah I 100% agree um and really why I you know, wanted to create this podcast is to just build a community of women. And, you know, with Sophie, like the fact that you guys know each other and now I know both of you guys, it's just building Mm -hmm. that community of amazing women. 
Let's take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor, Ana Luisa. Ana Luisa features high-quality jewelry pieces at affordable prices, starting at thirty-nine dollars. What I love most about Ana Luisa is that they're carbon neutral from their packaging to their products. Ana Luisa's designs are unique and strive to make you feel empowered, elegant, and at your finest. Enjoy twenty percent off of the Ana Luisa website with the link in the show notes at shop. dot a n a l u i s a dot com slash in our network. Now let's get back to the episode. What I really want to get into is you know evolving a brand and your experience with that because we've had you know conversations about your background and you obviously have. Had so many experiences building brands and having a brand from a startup going into a well-known brand. So, what do you think now makes a brand stand out? Given that in the industry itself, there's been so many changes when it comes to social media or just messaging. What do you think now makes a brand stand out? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think that it's really important to keep in mind that. Things are always evolving. Again, like when I first started out, Twitter was really the number one channel, and I remember getting a couple different brands on Twitter for the first time ever. And there's always these like emergent new channels. But then also as like a business and a brand, you have to think about the whole host of challenges that often happen too, right? So right yeah. now, as an example, there's so many supply chain issues or、um, economic factors that need to be taken into consideration as well, which None of that, you know, is appealing in any way. But it's the reality of being able to build a brand and a business. It's interesting if I'm in full transparency and honesty. I've worked with obviously small brands, big brands, growing brands. There's nowhere where anything is perfect, regardless of what you see from the external standpoint. Even you know, big brands can sometimes not have the best budgets, or、um, you'll have like a smaller brand that really wants to invest because they believe brand experience is super important, or they're marketing led. I truly believe in the times we are in today, it's important to remain customer centric. So, through obviously your customer experience, through the entire funnel and, and journey, through. Actually engaging with your customers, what your customers want, what your customers need—it's so important to distill all the little nuggets that you're provided through DMs or comments, and really pay attention to like who is your audience and、yeah. is that audience, you know, allowing your business to grow. You want to nurture those people that are along the way with you, but also look at where where do the opportunities continue to exist and. You have to be really honest with yourself, especially I think for founders, as an example,、mm-hmm. or you know the the higher and higher you go in your career, and or in executive positions, and or anytime you're in kind of a leader role, right? So for somebody who is like a social media manager, sometimes, frankly, like you need to have the balls to say like, "Ooh, our X Y Z content isn't performing because、yeah. of this," and really looking deep into the why, and then. As marketers, as well, I think it's our job to set the standard, right? To normalize certain things. I'm all about pushing the status quo. It's not something that's necessarily always welcomed, but times are changing.、Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think being customer centric, 
really aware of what's happening in the landscape is super important and constantly evolving. Um, one of my like personal pet peeves as an example is like, we've always done it this way. Like I can never, I never <laughs> like hearing that. And as marketers, I feel that it really will stagnate you as a brand and, and your growth too. Mm. So it's important to find the places that are supportive of these ways of thinking and, you know, continuing to evolve and grow the business because how many brands have we see, you know, stall and die. Yeah. And that's not where you want to be. Mm -hmm. And I think too, that's really true to even paid media and, you know, looking at it with an advertising lens. Cause I know, you know, when I was an agency, something that we really dealt with, with clients was panicking at the last second when, you know, Facebook or there was a Facebook boycott and now brands were like, wait, hold on. Like, do we really want to be spending our media dollars on Facebook given, you know, all of these things that are coming out and, a lot of brands really had to reevaluate, like what platforms were you on? What type of narratives do these platforms follow? What's their mission? What's their vision? And are you aligned with that? And I think at that point, it was really a wake up call for a lot of brands. I fully agree with that. And I mean, taking it even one step further, some brands, you know, plan out their content and their strategies so far in advance. Yeah. And then you see constant changes also happening. And then that impacts your ability to be able to execute, to be able to grow, you know, something as simple as Instagram, you know, a day or two ago announcing that there's going to be three feeds essentially, <laughs> which in some ways is yes, super supportive of your mental health and how, you know, ultimately the end consumer is spending their time on Instagram. Mm -hmm. But as a brand or a business, you can't help but question, okay, is our content or our ads, et cetera, going to be seen, right? Yeah. And also how those platforms evolve over time. So in the in the early stages, in the very beginning, obviously it was so easy to be able to grow on some of these platforms, you know, without organically. And today we're definitely in a world where you need to very much evaluate what the objective is of what you're doing on said platform, right? Both organically and paid. Yeah. And I mean, I can only imagine what the behind the scenes of brand building is like. And I think brand building of its own is just a huge beast of one, a team, like there's a huge team that goes behind, you know, doing all of this. And I think a lot of people kind of forget that. But since you've been in those positions, can you take us through what the behind the scenes of growing a brand and building a brand from, you know, the bottom up looks like? Yeah, I've had a couple experiences where I've been on the brand side and it's from the bottom up. I've been on the side where it's been like two or three people and then you're leveraging agency partners and contractors because ultimately you need the manpower or the women or the people power to be able to do all the things that you want to do. I can use, you know, the most recent experiences with Fox as an example. And as a D2C brand, it's just crazy how much data that you have access to, to be able <laughs> yeah. to, you know, not only gather insights, but to be able to really inform your decision. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, it's like nonstop data. It's, it's incredible. It's amazing. Like I love it, but at the same time, you really need someone to be able to pull that all together for you because it becomes a job in itself, really. Yeah. Um, whereas like when I've worked corporate side, like you have a whole insights team who just serves it up for you nicely in a polished yeah. up deck, right? So there's that piece. And then 
yeah, I think it's really important. Like you touched on all the kind of like inner workings. There's obviously like your internal team, then you have contractors, agency partners. There's so many other external factors from, you know, people that you have partnerships, et cetera, et cetera with. And I would say it's really about also looking at what's happening competitively and paying attention to that as well, but not, not losing sight again, going back to what's happening with your customers, right? So repeat purchases, growth, is what's happening with your average order volumes? How are, how are your spends looking? Where are you creating efficiencies? And then really also, I'm a huge people person and believe mm-hmm. in team development. So how are you using your team members to the best of their abilities and where they really like to be able to flourish in the business as well and constantly identifying where you need to be able to add more resources, right? Yeah. So there's a ton of moving pieces, certainly. And I don't think that there's necessarily one kind of um, uh, playbook. Mm-hmm. You you will see out there that there are people that are like, here's the D2C playbook, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, you can follow those 100%, how to do your email marketing, SMS marketing, retention, loyalty, all of the different things. But there's you know unique factors always at play yeah, of course. for every brand. And so I really love to make sure there's a strong foundation, identifying who your personas are, who you are as a customer, having your brand voice, your identity, you know, all of those things, as well as like the data to back up why you're doing what you're doing is important as a foundation. And then continuing to tweak, refine, evolve along the way and building a team of really great people that mm-hmm. can support you because it takes a village. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I think too, with, you know, building a brand, obviously there's, like you mentioned, so many different teams involved right now when it comes to reaching your customers and reaching your community, what have you found has been a way that's resonated the best or I guess the most efficiently with the community at, whether it's at Flax, whether it's, at other companies that you've been at before? Because I think right now, like you mentioned before, community is such a huge thing when it comes to brands. I know one brand that comes to mind that has a really great community is 437. Of course, yeah. you you know of them. And I think they do a really great job with really just communicating and aligning with their customers. So I'd love to know like what ways you have found that has resonated the best with your community. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you mentioned 437. There's a few others out there as well. I'm also more recently a bit of a newbie angel investor for about a year now and then advising some brands and things like that as well. And a brand that I've invested in as well as provided some resources to is Belly Welly. They're a CPG brand based out of LA and they focus on um, bars that are IBS friendly. And it's so incredible because Katie, the founder there has truly built her business from the ground up rooted in community. So identifying people through like Facebook groups and things like that, who are struggling with these issues. And there isn't a low FODMAP bar on the market that, you know, is also gluten-free, et cetera, et cetera, to serve this like group of customers who have serious issues with their guts or maybe not so serious, but it might be, you know, just sensitivities, but want to be able to enjoy eating good things. And so, you know, she's built a really great brand in about, gosh, under 
under two years. I'm gonna look and it up. I've never, I haven't heard of it before. It's fun. It's a, it's a fun brand as well, which also is a part of it too, right? It's like IBS is not glamorous or attractive in any way, shape or form. And she's completely spun it on its head and built this loyal following of people who are open to speaking about these issues in a just natural way. And so I feel that's a really great example. Another thing that, you know, you mentioned 437 and, you know, what Belly Welly as an example does really well is that People really want to see who is behind brands nowadays, especially I'd say like some of the smaller ones, because it's probably assumed that behind, you know, bigger corporate companies, you're not going to see that as much. Mm -hmm. And I think it is actually really amazing to be able to see like who the founders are, who some of the team are, if they're open to that. Like, I know I always shy away from the camera as an example, but (laughs) I'm more than happy to always like have the founders out there and things like that. But people want to know, like, who are they supporting? Who are they spending on? And I think that's an important part of the community building as well. Yeah, no, I really agree with that. I think seeing the people behind the brand, I think, is the part that I enjoy the most because you're not only following, you know, the brand itself, but you're following the founder's journey. And I think it's so amazing to see a founder launching their company and you're watching them, you know, grow and evolve as an entrepreneur, I think is so amazing. So, you know, I completely agree with that. And it's funny that you mentioned, you know, with bigger brands, they're probably not expected to kind of be, I don't know, I guess like in front of the camera, whether who, you know, who it is that founded the company. But I think it kind of goes into the topic that we were talking about, you know, before the call with TikTok and how a lot of bigger brands are kind of jumping on like this TikTok not bandwagon, but you know what I mean? When they are like making very relevant TikToks and they're commenting on each other's TikToks or whether it's tweeting really relevant things. And I think it's something that, you know, really just started, I would say like at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd love to know your thoughts on that. And with a brand lens, like what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I think it's incredible that there's this channel that's come about that's allowed people to connect, right? Um, I know one of the most recent announcements that TikTok made was, I believe, a partnership with one of the either cable companies or a TV company where you'll actually be able to, you know, probably have like an app on your TV home, smart TV home screen. I don't watch a lot of TV. I just like go to the (laughs) Netflix, (laughs) go to whatever, and I click and I stream. But um, you know, it's interesting because here's this this bridge happening where now you'll have accessibility to TikTok like right within the home, right? Right within the TV screen and probably be able to access like more generations, more people. Whereas, yeah, there's some moms of TikTok and dads of TikTok (laughs) and stuff like that on it. And we always have our mobile phones in our hand, but I feel this is like another way to really make it mass adopted. But to answer your question, it's, I'm always a fan of there being a platform where people can connect. So people to brands or the people behind brands to our consumers, right? And our customers. Mm -hmm. It's always great when there's a channel that you can jump into, understand. I think that's a key part of TikTok and scale, especially um, in the, in the earlier stages, because I would suspect that's going to obviously change eventually down the line, the same Mm -hmm. way that the Facebook Instagram has. Mm-hmm. I think TikTok is so fun. Yeah. Uh, it's like that edutainment that we've all heard about, right? I believe there's 
two things. So either you need to be someone who like totally gets it, right? You need to have someone on your team that totally gets it in terms of creating content, um, the type of content that is relevant for the audiences and the consumers that are on that channel. And especially like if you're doing paid, you have to understand, like you can't just do the paid part. You kind of need to Mm -hmm. make sure that you're having the right approach and investment into the organic side of it as well. And then if you don't have that, then having a proper and clear plan to nurture that channel properly. Mm -hmm. So finding someone who can be that brand content creator, managing that community, leveraging anything organic that can go into paid. How do you expand the paid better, et cetera, et cetera. And there's some really good brands out there who are doing a great job at that. Yeah. And then of course there's, you know, just being on there for fun or leveraging the tools and the features to be able to showcase like a day in the life or behind the scenes or jumping in on trends, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So it ultimately ties back to like what your business and marketing objectives of course are and yeah from a content standpoint so yeah that's yeah. kind of that's my pov <laughs> i um have spent time on there i have definitely had it as a part of different plans and content and all that kind of thing mm-hmm. i don't think it's going to go away not in the next while anyway so i would encourage um if it's a fit for your brand to certainly look at how to make a TikTok uh, or how to make TikTok a part of, you know, your content marketing and paid mix. Mm -hmm. And I think there's definitely no secret sauce. I think it depends for each brand. And I think, you know, something that I always kind of stand by and like, I'm not biased at all to snap. And like, I'm, I completely like support all of the other, other platforms obviously out there you're never going to know until you test and learn, I think is always something that I say to every client that I, you know, that I have is even strategies within snap, like you're never going to know until you test it, gain some learnings from it. And then now, you know, and you can apply those in the future. So I think the same thing goes with looking at your marketing strategy and whether it's looking at TikTok specifically, like just go and do it. And if it, you know, if you find that it's fun, one, if it's fun for you and two, you're finding success on it, then really that's all that matters. Yeah. I mean, as a marker, I think it's really important that you're always paying attention to these channels and doing your best to understand. Um, You mentioned Snap as an example, like I still have it. I still use it. And often (laughs) when I bring up Snap, people will be like, oh, are people still on it? And I think it's really important to understand (laughs) why people are still on it. And from a marketing standpoint, predominantly, you know, paid and some other types of content, why it's important to run ads on there as an Mm -hmm. example. And again, what you said about test and experience, that's one thing I love about working at Flax Home and the founders there were always game to do tests Mm -hmm. and learn from them. And I think that's the number one way. Yeah. It's crazy. Like you'd be surprised the type of success people have had on Snap. And again, I'm not just saying that because I work there, but even when I was an agency, like I was always surprised at how companies that you think wouldn't do well on certain platforms did. And it's just, it just goes to show like there is an audience anywhere you go and it's just a matter of finding where they are and if they resonate with you. Yeah. I mean, you could say the same thing about Pinterest as an example. I'm probably like a day one Pinterest user and Pinterest continues to serve, you know, old, old, old pins will continue to drive traffic Mm -hmm. to your site, et cetera, et cetera. So all of these different channels that exist today are 
certainly very important. Yeah. I mean, I know this conversation, we could go on and on about this because I love talking (laughs) about this stuff. But, you know, I really do appreciate you taking the time to share, one, your knowledge about marketing and brand building, but two, just sharing more about your experience and, you know, how you've gotten to where you are today. Something that I always love to end the podcast off with is asking what a pinch me moment has been in your career and if you're able to share. Yeah, I've had probably a few, a couple that come to mind uh, goes back to kind of older days. So I spent time freelancing um, in fashion media. So working in the early stages of like blogs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I would always write for other digital publications or blog websites. Um, I was never actually a blogger myself, or at least <laughs> I didn't self-identify as a blogger, but I had the opportunity to interview Lady Gaga. Oh my god! And this was at a time where like, she was playing at a small That's Vancouver awesome. venue. I'm trying to remember which one. I can't remember. <laughs> Roxy. <laughs> something on Gromble. Yeah. <laughs> something on Gromble for sure. And I was so nervous. I definitely did all my research and things like that. I was probably 23 at the time aging myself here <laughs> what were her songs back like when you were interviewing her like what was her it was like her very song. first like her very first one like what, one I think. yeah mm-hmm. I think that might have been her current single at that time oh my actually gosh. that's awesome and there's probably like a YouTube video out there on it uh it ended up going viral when it was posted, no way and then ended up attracting the attention of like all of those gossip websites and stuff mm-hmm. like that and then eventually, I think like MTV or VH1 or something like that reached out because they wanted to buy the clips or something like that. That's so wild. I was like, okay, is this all of a sudden a <laughs> pop culture moment? I have no idea. And I'm not too sold on like fame type things. And I also made errors in that interview because mm-hmm. A, I was this young, I wouldn't even call myself a journalist, um, <laughs> but I just had this opportunity and I took it. Yeah. Yeah. Made errors along the way. You never want to read comments about yourself on the internet. (laughs) Um, But that was, I'd say a little bit of a pinch me moment. And there's been a couple others. Like I had always put on marketing career vision boards to like be able to activate at South by Southwest. And when that finally happened, you know, being able to do things like that has definitely been great experiences. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. And thanks for sharing that. Um, You're definitely going to have to send me that video if you could find it. (laughs) Terrified. (laughs) But another one I like to ask to end things off is what advice have you been given that you continue to take with you in your career? Really about relationships. I think I touched on that a few times. You know what? Not everyone is going to like you and you're not going to like everyone. That's okay. I think that there's a level of obviously just being professional. And I actually think we live in an age now where you can set more boundaries and boundaries, even in your career with your work is actually really important. But at the end of the day, people are going to remember you. And I think it's important to, you don't necessarily have to be this like uber professional, like over the top person. It's just about, for me, like I always try to think about how can I be of service to others and how can I lead with like compassion, um, being really mindful that everyone that's around you and walking through the doors or zoom Mm -hmm. is, you know, a human being just like you and they have different stories and have come from different places or might be having an amazing day or a hard day and just staying really open to, you know, honoring people's differences, points of views, input, even, you know, I've been in so many different 
good and bad and crazy and amazing situations. And so for me, I think it's really about, it comes so much of everything comes down to like really honoring your relationships and having awareness of like what it's serving you at that point in your time and potentially where it can serve you again. So yeah, build a great relationship. Yeah, no, I think that's great because everyone that you meet will, you know, in a funny way, find themselves back in your life at some point, whether it's a connection, whether it's somebody that's interviewing you or somebody that you're working with again. So I think that's really great advice to just, you know, lead with compassion and lead with kindness. So I just want to say thank you again for taking the time to just chat with us and share everything about your background and experience. And I think, you know, when it comes to marketing and brand building. I think it's a topic that a lot of people are interested in, but not a lot of people really know one, how to get into right away, you know, after graduating um, college or university. So I think all of the advice you shared is really going to help a lot of people that are listening. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. More than happy to chime in anytime or help out in any way. And thank you so much. I'm so grateful for being able to be on here. 